0: Welcome to CISO's Insider's Podcast, powered by GRC Consulting. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing leading CISOs and security leaders in the industry for light, eye-level conversations. Here, they share advice and tips, talk about their biggest accomplishments and failures, favorite drinks, key influencers, and much more. We encourage you to walk away with at least one insight that will help you better yourself or your business. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, please check us out on social media.
1: And welcome, everybody. Today, I'm speaking with Thomas Kinsella. Uh, Thomas is actually the the co-founder and the COO of a company called Tynes. But before that, he spent uh, many years as, uh, as an information security and cybersecurity director in multiple capacities. I see, Thomas, that you've started off uh, your career uh, over at Deloitte, where you've done a lot of forensic uh, works uh, as well as IT security. From that point on, I think you uh, held a position in eBay uh, in a similar capacity, I would say, but you, you know, I might be misreading it. Uh, I'll, you'll have a, an opportunity to correct me in a minute. Uh, from that point on, I think you spent a lot of years in DocuSign, building the, the security operations there, so definitely interesting to talk about uh, during this podcast, and I think directly after DocuSign, you founded your own company, so that's quite a journey. Thank you, and you know I invite you to step in and introduce yourself.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate the uh, the warm introduction, and it's great to, great to be here. Great to be on. And um, yeah, it's it's very similar to what, what you said. Started out in professional services in Deloitte, learned a lot about how to do things and a lot about how not to do things while I was there as well. And um, eBay was a little bit different. eBay, I worked in. Um, Uh, the the technical investigations organizations that was working on large-scale attribution and prosecution of organized criminal networks that were compromising tens of thousands of accounts on eBay uh, or PayPal. eBay and PayPal at the time were the number two and number one fished brands in the world. So we were targeted a lot for carding, for malware, for account takeovers. And my team were also responsible for, I suppose, working with law enforcement sharing any intrusions or uh, uh, large-scale incidents in um, yeah. In the platform. So I learned a ton there. Uh, really, really enjoyed that job. Super, super interesting working with law enforcement uh, and dealing with a lot of uh, you know, commercial malware uh, as well. From there, I spent a little bit of time in the US and then moved back and spent uh, spent a couple of years Yeah, running the security operations team in DocuSign. So I grew that team from two to about 30 people while we went public. And we were responsible for everything from incident response and threat intelligence to security, infrastructure, discovery, fraud, forensics, pretty much everything on the security side of the house that wasn't compliance. Uh, And yeah, had a really, uh, really interesting time there learning about, yeah, learning about security operations and how to uh, to build a team, how to scale a team, how to work with vendors um, and how to, yeah, I suppose, how, how to deal with the. The challenge of a company that's growing super fast, uh, that has uh, enormous momentum, uh, but that also thinks that security is um, like a super important part of the business. So enjoyed it, and I've had a very, yeah, very privileged career. And then obviously started Tynes on the on the back of that.
1: Great, uh, interesting journey, and thank you again for taking the time to uh, sit down with me today. Uh, you know, the purpose of this podcast is basically not to talk specifically about any. Uh, you know, anything in particular, um, in regards to, to our space in the industry, um, uh, but more along the line to, I mean, put you on the spotlight, learn, le- learn more from your experience and expertise, the, you know, do some experience sharing and basically understand your route into the place that you are today. And so, and, and, it, and it, I mean, from what I'm, I'm seeing and hearing, a it's been an interesting journey, right? You've spent a lot of years in the cybersecurity field, and then you went, went ahead and uh, founded your own company. So um, I'm certain some of our listeners would be intrigued to, to learn about their journey. Uh, I always like to start off with a couple of icebreaker questions here. So if you could share anything about your your marital status and favorite drink, that would be great.
0: Yeah, so I, I'm in a relationship. It's uh it's going great. Uh she's listened to a couple of the episodes with me. We went on a went on a trip a couple of weekends ago and we listened to a couple of episodes to get get a flavor. So I'm sure she'll want me to say hi. Um we're uh, yeah I, my favorite drink is is honestly water these days I am drink trying to drink far more of it than uh, than I used to uh but mostly sparkling water which is not nearly as good for you as water but it's uh, the the way the way for me to be able to drink uh, drink a lot of it um I'm also as an Irish person uh unfortunately yeah, guilty of liking liking Guinness a little bit too much uh, and then I I just simply couldn't survive without coffee uh but I think that's part and parcel of the the role that I'm in right now
1: OK, thank you for that. And say hi to your, uh, your uh, significant other for me as well. Um, so let's dive right in. I mean, if there's one thing you wish you'd known before you began a career, what would that be?
0: I think that every single person in cybersecurity is learning all of the time, uh, that I used to think at the start of my career that there were certain people that knew everything or there's certain people that had a huge amount of experience. And as a result, they they were infallible. Uh, but in reality, it's it's not about that. Nobody knows everything. And that it's also therefore not about finding the smartest person that you want to work with, the person that knows the most. For your career, once you get, for me anyway, once I got to a certain stage, it wasn't so much about like finding the smartest people. It was finding people that I enjoyed working with that were curious that had a, a passion to do the right thing and then I suppose hooking in with them and making sure that I was challenged I think that the thing that I really wished I knew was that yeah it's no one thing is going to make it better no one certificate no one incident it's about learning getting one percent better every week week upon week and taking the opportunity to yeah to learn wherever you can
1: Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, this is a return theme. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, my interviewees, uh, mentioned that you, you know, the, the learning, the constant learning aspect uh, that's always out there. Right. Um, uh, if there's one, uh, biggest failure that, uh, that you can uh, talk about and what did you, you, what did you learn out of it? What would that be?
0: I was really struggling between two, like two here. Like the, the first, I, sorry the second one was just very simple that when i was running the security operations team uh, at one point we we i was unable to persuade somebody to do something that i thought was absolutely critical and as a result we you know just suffered several several incidents and that was because i didn't have the i was unable to persuade like a, a hypothetical it team to patch a flaw, and i could see it coming and i could uh yeah, predicted, but just was unable to uh, unable to make that change. And that was kind of, it was a business decision. It makes sense, but it, it really, uh, I learned a lot on my approach and how not to approach things uh, based on doing that. But I think the, the, the incident that I keep coming back to, that's like a standout version of my biggest failure was when, yeah, just we had a, a major incident in, a, in one of my companies where, uh, yeah, we just had a, a large scale intrusion. Uh, and there were, I was relatively junior in my career and I believed people when they said they had it. So I couldn't understand in this incident. I was like, I, I'm seeing this and I, I think this is going on. But everyone else was like, no, nope, it's fine. Uh, and we eventually we brought in this external company. And this external company, um, extremely well-known, they investigated and everyone was like, yeah, this everything's perfect. But through the, you know, week or two during the incident, I was kept saying, I just don't understand, like, I'm seeing this activity over here. And I, I believe that this is happening, but I trusted that, yeah, I trusted that these, this crew had it. And in reality, they, they didn't, they didn't have it. They didn't know. And they were missing it. They were missing some, yeah, they just weren't seeing what me and some of the other folks were, uh, were seeing. And I think it's that. Yeah, what I, I suppose what I learned from that was that I, I now no longer accept an answer if I don't understand it. That I actually have to keep on asking the question, being like, "Please explain it to me, because I just don't see why this isn't important." Uh, I didn't have the courage at the time. I didn't have the the belief in my uh, in my own skills. And that it's not not trying to be arrogant in any way. Uh, in any way, here there's loads of things I get wrong all the time. But I think it's that having the if I don't understand something, just the tenacity to keep on asking, saying, hey, just please explain it to me a little bit more. Explain it to me like I'm uh, like I'm five. And then hopefully I'll uh, hopefully I'll I'll be able to understand that afterwards. But it was a real um, yeah, it hurt. It hurt when uh when something that you really care about is happening uh and that you just don't have the courage of your convictions to kind of to push through it. Did
1: you um did you at the time, did you feel that you, uh, the trust was compromised, that you wasn't able to trust your team anymore?
0: It, it wasn't the team. The team were really good. It was leadership that I wasn't leadership. able to trust afterwards. That leadership were saying, Yeah, it's fine. Uh, and that, and that, that, that yeah, it did. It really, uh, it really damaged my trust with, uh, with, with some folks on the, on the team. And it's like not, not my direct manager. My direct manager was fantastic, but some other folks in the wider, uh, the wider InfoSec team that, yeah, it's, uh, I think communication—it didn't break down, but it like it was unsurprising that you know within a year the vast majority of people had kind of left the organization and uh, and moved on. So,
1: got it. Okay, okay. Thank you for that. Um, you know, and having spoken about your uh, biggest failure as the perceived biggest failure, what would you say your biggest accomplishment was?
0: I think so i'm gonna to have to say like, start starting times here and I, I don't want to be the vendor that shills here so i'm not gonna go not gonna go into uh go into times t- too much but you know take having the the courage to to go out and you know start the, and the privilege i'll talk about that as well the privilege to go out and uh start start my own company but having the courage to go out and start my own company and and actually make it a little bit of a, a little bit of success so far and um, but beyond that it's it's also the individual step so you know anybody can go out and start something it's having it be the company that i kind of wished we could have worked with so having you know transparent pricing having like a free community edition things like that that we really that we revalue so being that security company that i wished we could have worked with is really uh yeah it's really important but even beyond that it's 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 about the people right it's about the people that you worked with so making the first hire making the first hire in the u.s getting your first customer uh and yeah, being able to tell some of those stories, is uh said, so I think we, don't, we often don't look back on the good times in security. We look back on a lot of incidents, but it's really nice to look back on some of the, some of the good times. Like, hey, that was, uh, that was great. And the fact that I'm able to work with some smart people and hire some friends and work with people that I call friends is, uh, is probably the, the biggest success.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. And you know what? I, I want to expand a bit about that because you know th- this is part of your story. I mean, whatever happened in the past whatever, what is it, like 13 years led you to where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the co-founders of, of Times. And I, I'd like to understand more about that journey, and, like your roles, your different roles in the cybersecurity mm-hmm. space, and what led you to, to, to founding uh Times, if that's okay.
0: Yeah, sure. So so like I, I think when I was like when I was working with, a little a little bit in, in DocuSign, there was like a huge amount of burnout. Uh, that, not in DocuSign, sorry, in Intello like, there was a huge amount of burnout. We were just professional services, the very bottom of the rung. Any, you know, paying customer could come in and say, Hey, we want, you know, to to throw people at the problem. And, you know, I'd be the, the person that was thrown at the problem. And that was that was fine. I learned so much in that role. And um, but I think in in eBay, there was there were a lot of incidents that we dealt with where we needed to move fast. So we needed to, you know like start analyzing 50 IPs or a hundred IPs like at the same time, or we needed to start blocking IPs or we needed to investigate a thousand phishing emails. And we had some tools, but those tools took a long time to build and those processes took a long time to build. But when I was in DocuSign, that was where it kind of really hit home. And that was because I was managing a team, uh, same, same as own my, uh, our, my, my co-founder or CEO. We, we just felt it was too hard. So we had great people. We had a good stack. Like we had... You know, Splunk, Carbon Black, we had, you know, really good tools. But at the same time, the better we got at detecting, the more we had to respond to. And no matter how fast we moved, we kept on having more incidents to deal with. And it just ended up that we just felt a sense of inevitability that something was going to happen. And what we knew we didn't want was we knew we didn't want to just hire somebody and then just put them analyzing like adware. We knew we didn't want to hire someone and put them like blocking IPs on the firewall. We knew we didn't want to, you know, hire somebody like cybersecurity like talent takes a long time to hire. And if you put them just, you know, analyzing a phishing email that's being reported to spam on abusebox.com day in, day out, they're going to burn out. And even worse than that, like they're going to burn out and they're going to be stressed. And then you're going to have that incident because it's, companies are going to get compromised these days and when you have that incident all that work they were spending all their time on is still going to be there but now you have to move even faster you have to um yeah you you have to be able to respond you have to be able to 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 build new detections to have a, a flexible platform that's able to yeah, that, that you're able to i suppose to move on and when we looked around, we looked at what our peers were doing. We just didn't see anybody that was doing this, but we did see there had to be a promise in automation. So there were a couple of, of I suppose, the the V1 kind of sores out there, the likes of your Phantoms and your domistos. And people were getting some value out of those. But when myself and Owen were looking at them, we kind of said, look, in order to use these, you genuinely have to be a developer. You genuinely have to like hire somebody that knows how to code, knows how to develop. And the people that know how to develop, they want to be building their own thread into a platform. They don't want to be building it. You know, a plug-in to create a ticket in Jira. They don't want to be building a you know a script so that they can block an IP on a firewall. They want to actually be analyzing large amounts of data or building some fancy machine learning system to classify X, Y, and Z. And we knew that like the people that we were hiring just wouldn't uh, just wouldn't do that wouldn't do that work, especially in a, like a medium-sized team. If you're a Bank of America or something like that, maybe it would work. So I think we passionately cared about the people that were working on the team. And we wanted to make sure that they were learning a ton, but they just couldn't learn a ton if they were overwhelmed with alerts. So we said, hey, there, there has to be that better way. And yeah, we because we looked at all the platforms, we said the better way is to build a platform that they could then automate themselves into a better job, automate their own processes. So we've got a couple of users, like when we're building out in times right now, we've got a couple of users in mind where we're like, would this feature be understandable by this person? And is this person yeah, like, is is time simple enough that somebody that's using it that doesn't have a, isn't a developer is going to be able to automate their own, uh, automate their own workflows. So that was kind of the, that was the journey. Um, But yeah, it really is like born from experience of incidents, born from having to move fast and born from like just passionately caring about the lives of security analysts and knowing that you, that when that incident comes along, you have to move fast. That's what, that's a, that's a, like, that that was the genesis of the platform so okay thank you for giving me the time to uh, yeah i mean that.
1: no that that's super interesting but uh, you know and uh, you're talking about your career can is there any single piece of advice you could give out to someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours yeah
0: sure so i i think i said this a little bit earlier but i'm extremely privileged right i i, I managed to be in a position where i somehow earned enough money where i was able to quit my job and start uh, start start my company so i, I don't want to say that like everybody's able to just you know just do this one thing and you're able to you're able to be, to to do that i'm also a you know a straight white guy in tech so i am very much you know the the beneficiary of a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of positive discrimination that's fortunately for me unfortunately for everybody else and it's obviously something that we're trying to we're trying to change here too but if I was to give people, I suppose, advice, if you wanted to wanted to pursue a career, I think th- that point that I made earlier—that it's never going to be that one thing. It's not like that one piece of advice that you uh, that you say, "Hey, just you know, like become a become a developer before you start." It's not going to be get you know, learn the business. And if you learn the business, then you're going to be a much better CISO or, or a much better director. It's about learning, taking those opportunities whenever they come up to just learn more. And to a certain extent, doesn't matter. It matters, but it doesn't matter if you, you know, you redefine that what 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 success means and redefine what failure means, so that it doesn't matter if you become that CISO of this company over here, a director over here, or if you're just really happy over here. I think take the risks, take the opportunity to learn at every opportunity, and also it's okay to fail as well. I moved to the US; it didn't work out very well, and I moved back after six months, and that's that's totally okay as well. And um, so. Yeah, take 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 as many opportunities as you can. Network with as many people, meet as many people, talk to as many people, and just learn. It's uh, it's there's so many amazing people in the security world that you'll be able to learn from, and uh, hopefully they'll yeah, hopefully be able to pass on some uh, some wisdom to to some other people in the future as well.
1: Okay, um, um, switching gears here a bit, uh, let's talk a bit about the, an organizational structure what are your feelings about uh you know the role of a ciso that's actually part of the it organization
0: yeah, it's so funny we we deal with cisos like day in day out and it's it's so great to see that the role will be elevated to i suppose now usually well it's a, like security is a board level issue at, at at this point in time but i think there's pros and cons for the ciso to be in the it organization for sure i think Like, as a pro, the CISO absolutely needs to be involved in pretty much any strategic decision that an organization takes, especially its IT team. And, you know, if they're part of the strategy for rolling out an office or purchasing certain tools, if they're involved, they're aware and they're able to influence those decisions and they're able to put a halt to certain decisions before they happen or to, you know, to have their hands in those decisions uh, so that they can influence them in the right way. So there's definitely a, a pro there. And unless you're, you know uh unless you're singing from the same hymn sheet as the CIO it's going to be really, really hard to uh to do that. So having a really good relationship with the CIO is absolutely critical. And obviously reporting to them can be very uh, can be very functional. Having said that, the CISO should also and does also have a huge role to play depending on the organization as well. Uh on the engineering side of the house, on the technical side of Uh, technical operations side of the house and certainly right now for for organizations that we're dealing with we're seeing a lot of folks focus more on their production environment it's it's now a lot more like aws is uh, or gcp or azure is just as challenging as your your corp environment in fact it's also more misunderstood than a lot of corp environments that it's a little bit more of a black box where people don't really understand and as a result they'll pay for Great tools, but tools like Lacework or Orca or Wiz, where they're like, oh, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do, so I'll I'll purchase this tool in the hope that it'll uh, it'll give me security. Um, but I think the big con side of the house of putting security or putting the CISO under the CIO or even under the uh, uh, the VP of technology or uh, or your CTO is that the C CISO has to in some ways be independent. They have to be able to call out and say, actually, this isn't the right call. And if they're involved in making those decisions on how to deploy software, what software to purchase, they often can't have that independent voice of saying, well, actually, I just want to register my objection here because, by definition, if their boss isn't going to succeed in something, it's very hard for them to, you know, to to sabotage them or say, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna veto something. Now, that shouldn't happen, but it's still even that perceived uh, that perceived threat or that perceived um, conflict of interest can be uh, can be quite challenging. So, I think in order to present the argument, in order to to be independent, it's probably important for them to to actually be independent. I think at this point, though, most CISOs a lot of CISOs are, are fighting for that independence. Uh, and it's, for me, it's, it's, it's great to see.
1: But in your experience, do you think there's a shift in the market where you see more and more um, like board level positions for CISOs?
0: I don't know, if, like I don't know if board. Like certainly, yes, more 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 boards are asking about it more, and they have to they have to be. It's uh it's critical. I don't. I also think that the board, like the, the CISO, gets to see the board now more often than they will get to, the CIO will get to see the board, uh, which is like there'll be security updates on every two or three board meetings, which is fantastic. Um, but I I don't know if it's a, like reporting directly to the board. Obviously, I think it's more that they will be on a lot more uh on a lot more incidents. Uh, or in a lot more instances, be reporting to the, C- the CEO uh, or maybe the CFO. Not so much the like the chief legal officer, or the chief technical officer, or the CIO. That they've got that little bit more independence, um, and that it's viewed as its own. Uh, it's viewed as its own own independent area, uh, which is just as important as some of the other uh, some, some of the other technical areas. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and I'm seeing this shift as well. Um, okay. Great. Uh, Let's see. What is it? So I wanted to pick your brains about uh, a couple of other topics here. Um, In terms of resources, you mentioned that, you know, you're constantly learning and and whatnot. What are the best resources that have helped you along the way?
0: I think there's a couple. I think I've missed conferences, to be honest. Uh, Being able to go and meet people in person and uh, have those conversations uh, over COVID has... Uh, has left me, or not being able to not being able to go has left me uh has left me poor but i will say that, that there's been a bit of a rise in slack channels and certainly like being able to talk to peers is uh is super is still super important the place that i think and i know this comes up a lot on your podcast the place that i think i learned the most that was twitter that honestly being able to gut check a lot of things very quickly like is this uh a hypothetical you know incident a or hypothetical cve is this a you know a p1 that it's all hands on deck or is this something that it's probably more of a storm in a teacup even though some vendor has managed to make it look like it's a, a p1 and um, the number of people that are sharing information sharing iocs sharing uh mitigations on twitter's is, is incredible and a lot of them are like very unthanked. Uh, if you look at like emotet, for example, like the crypto lamus crew have done an amazing job at sharing indicators. Same with those people that share stuff on you know abuse.ch, etc. I, I feel that, um yeah, I feel that there's so much opportunity there and so much to learn that yeah, that I, I spent a lot of yeah, spent a lot of time on Twitter just taking in and uh yeah accumulating a lot of uh, a lot of information there's a lot of great blogs out there at the moment as well but uh for me twitter is probably the, the place to be okay
1: interesting i have to confess that i'm not that active on twitter not as a consumer not as you know anyone who posts anything but uh you might need to carve out
0: some time for that. I, I'm more of a, I'm more of a lurker than a poster. I don't post, I uh, don't post that much. I'm, uh, I'm shy, even though my marketing team love when I, uh, love when I post and love when I get on, uh, get on podcasts. But yeah, I, I, like I spend a lot of time just having, uh, having conversations, sorry, having conversations, just reading, uh, reading random Twitter threads and going down like deep rabbit holes. And yeah, it's, it's like, sometimes it's Absolutely useless, but a lot of the time you'd like that's I've learned a lot just from spending those you know fifteen twenty minutes you know understanding that uh, that challenge or understanding this new type of malware etc
1: got you okay um, let's see um, so I, I wanted to ask you about you know uh, my usual question here is there one common myth about uh, our profession that you wanted to debunk
0: <laughs> I think this is uh like there's loads of, of myths and I love all of the answers that have been given the one that I give is that you just cannot purchase one single tool uh, and like be secure and it it drives me crazy when i see like organizations that will advertise you know we stop breaches or you know customers like with this product don't get compromised and it, it's less it's happening less and less these days but even still there's so many just over promises in security where they're preying on your fear and yeah, I wish, I wish I could say that it's purchase this tool, maybe you'll get better. But even then, most of the time, like purchasing a tool is, it's the same as buying weights. It's like, you know, you can buy as many weights as you want, but until you start tuning it, until you start actually using them, they're not going to, you're not going to get any better and you can accumulate as much gym equipment as you want, but you're going to actually have to do the work for it. Um, yeah, I, I, the whole, we stop, the whole, we stop breaches thing drives me, it uh, drives me crazy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Same okay. with all your AI, like machine learning, uh, there's loads yeah. of, don't, don't, get, don't get me wrong, there's like, like machine learning is absolutely true, it's it's fascinating and AI is incredible, but uh, oh, we use AI and therefore, you know, uh, we're able to detect anomalies like zero days right out of the box, uh, you don't need to worry, That's uh, that drives me crazy.
1: Yeah, I, I just feel personally that AI and machine learning like uh, are, are you know the newest buzzwords right now that everybody's using. Not necessarily everybody understands anything about that, but that's just you know my personal opinion. Uh, talking a bit about, you know, the let's talk a bit about the market today, about our space. In your opinion, what are the main concerns that CISOs nowadays have?
0: I think there's there's a lot of concerns they ha- they have i think a lot of them are you know should uh should be concerned about uh yeah like their stack they should be concerned about their influence in the boardroom they should be concerned about their team but the the big thing for me is is definitely their team there's there's so there was a great uh great survey we put out a survey but there's a lot a lot of them that uh that have come out that show that 64 percent of analysts intend to uh, leave their jobs in the next 12 months. It's not that they will, but they say they intend to. And part of that's due to the great resignation. Part of that's due to feeling burnout, but it's just so hard to keep your team happy these days. And if you're not looking after them, I think that your security, st- your security stack, your security stature, your your security posture is just not going to be the same in twelve months if you've uh, if you've had a huge turnover of staff. So if I'm if I'm a CISO, what I'm worried about most is making sure that my team are happy and making sure that they've got the resources necessary to do their job and they feel supported in their job and they feel respected uh, respected in their job. I also think that a lot of them are now, especially with like I'm not going to say it's coming more and more often, but you still do see a lot of uh you know a lot of talks that you have to move faster to. Fa- very very fast in it's the agility and the speed that you have to be able to move at now that it's it's no longer oh there's a you know cve we can patch it in you know a week's time or like th- those old uh th- th- those old um you know like for criticals you've got a week to patch it- it's just no longer uh, it's no longer that that you can see a cve come out you can see it be exploited in the wild 24 hours later if it's not being exploited already so the ability to detect put in new detections put in new alerts or to patch very very fast uh, or to have just even better visibility in your environment very very fast is critical that if i'm a ciso i i'm no longer I, you should still be measuring like mean time to detect mean time to respond but what i'm really measuring is how quickly i can build out a detection for something that's just newer in the corner and how much fidelity i can get um that's for me that's how uh if i'm trying to if i'm trying to measure how good my security is not how much it's improving. I'm trying to measure how good my security is. It's how quickly I can uh I can uh, I can yeah build build out detections and deploy them very 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 quickly.
1: Okay, and expanding about that, I mean, in your opinion, what are what are the most important skills CISOs nowadays should have? You know, we're spoken about the shift. We're talking about what's uh, what's going on in the industry a bit. If you could, uh... I think.
0: Like there's definitely a, definitely a need for those technical skills that a lot of, like and a lot of your guests talk about. So the, I'm not necessarily saying you have to be a developer, but you do have to understand, like it can't be that you hear the word Kubernetes and start shivering like, oh, I'm not really sure what they're talking about. It has to be that you you have to understand the stack. You have to understand the technology. And then you also have to understand like the the the, the major attacks that are going on these days as well. I think a lot of people do uh, do understand that. I do also, however, think that like as a CISO, you have to understand the bottom line and the top line of your your business. That security is both a differentiator in terms of sales, so affecting your top line. And also if something's compromised, definitely an issue that's going to affect uh, like if you have to move fast and spend a huge amount of money or pay out on something, definitely going to affect your bottom line. Uh so being able to understand the business impact of all of the decisions and also weigh up the with way up the risks and communicate those risks effectively to your team and to your partners in uh the yeah, the CIO, the CTO, the CFO uh, is is super important, and I realize that's very a very broad answer. The CISO should have a huge amount of skills, but realistically, like the, this, uh, like you wouldn't get to be a CTO without, or a CFO or a CIO without having like business and tech skills. If we want the CISO to be elevated to reporting to the CIO, and we want the CISO to be elevated to reporting to the board, then they have to have those skills. They have to level up, and they have to be seen to be. A business enabler and a business promoter adding value and saying, "Hey, this is actually how we can differentiate ourselves
1: so I can surmise based on on your answer that
0: this is where this sees the Caesar world is going right now right yeah, definitely yeah they're they're yeah ele- elevating themselves, and there's a lot of great examples of, uh, of people that are doing that so mm-hmm.
1: Let's see, we still have a couple of minutes left for a couple of last questions. Sure. In your opinion, what would we
0: see in the cybersecurity world next? I think like it's so it's so hard to predict. So like more of the same and a whole little different. Uh, but I definitely think there's going to be more... Um, an acceleration of uh of current uh of current trends so more more vulnerabilities in open source tools more supply chain attacks i think ransomware will still increase as a result from that i think that it's, there's going to be an increase in people purchasing and an increase in the price of cyber insurance as people have to pay out more more breaches are disclosed as you know gdp or i don't think GDPR or fines will necessarily increase but as more transparency will breed more like yeah so I suppose more lawsuits and things like that as well. I think on the the defense side of the house or, or the vendor side of the house, I think there's going to be more standardization. So I think it's really, I, I talked about how fast, you know, being able to measure your, uh, your detections based on how fast or me- measure your maturity based on how fast you're able to build out detections. I also think that like, you have to be able to measure your maturity based on some frameworks and um, so there's there's a lot of frameworks out there the MITRE defense framework there's a palantir framework that that actually discuss how to so how you can actually measure uh, measure the maturity of your organization but on top of that you i think you have to be able to standardize a lot of that as well so standardize your detections using sigma rules using like the whatever that the the detection equivalent of yara rules otherwise you're gonna if i'm like looking at the future you're going to say hey we're secured in all these areas but in reality you're not you've got a gaping hole over here um there's a lot of different there's a lot of different areas that i think uh i think security security can go in but the last area that i'll talk about is just like there has to be getting the most out of your staff and that's through automation so in order to make sure that your team aren't burning out in order to make sure that you're able to move fast there's going to be a a huge investment in automation
1: mm-hmm. And and what would you define, and this might relate to to my previous question, but what would you define as innovation in in our space?
0: Yeah, so it's so rare that we see security as an innovative field. It's so rare that we see security as uh, something that's, you know, bringing life to the business or bringing value to the business. I think that's one thing that, and if you'll excuse me, the, the shill at like Tynes is, is actually doing a really good job at. That it's you very rarely hear the CISO be thanked for you know doing anything other than stopping a stopping an incident. What we see customers doing now is like with the automation platform, they'll get a huge amount of value out of out of the platform. And then we'll see people like an engineering team see it be used in the middle of an incident and they'll be like, whoa, whoa, how did you, how did you do that? How did you move so fast? How are you so agile? Or you'll see users be off boarded in the middle of an incident uh, or just in regular, uh, regular, you know, cadence. As soon as uh, as soon as they're, uh, as soon as they leave the organization, they're deep within 20 minutes or half an hour as a result of automation. And then the IT team are like, wow, that's uh that's actually incredible. You moved very, very fast there. How did you do that? And they'll say, oh, we did that using Tines." So what I, for for innovation, I think it's yeah. There's just uh, there's an opportunity to use yeah to use automation. There's there's, a, there's huge huge opportunities to uh, to bring the best security practices and the best tools to other parts of the uh, other parts of the organization.
1: Okay, uh, we have time for one last question, and this is on a personal note on a on a personal side here. So yeah, yeah. If you had unlimited funds, what would you
0: do with your life? Um, so I think right now in my life, I'd probably stay in, probably stay times uh, and probably stick at it for another couple of years. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of growth, but I'm definitely not sticking at it forever. It's, uh, like the, it's, it's a lot of hard work. If you told me I couldn't stay, I would become a historian. So that's my, uh, if I, if I was braver as a, uh, as a kid, uh, I would have chosen history, uh, history in, in university and I would have, uh, yeah, I wanted not have done a, I don't know if I'd be cut out for a PhD or anything like that, but uh, that's like on my spare time. I love reading history books. Uh, like, yeah, either, uh, yeah, uh, and I think I'd, yeah, that if if I could do it, I'd spend my time going back to college, drinking my coffee, drinking my uh, drinking my water, reading a lot of history books, and yeah, going deep into uh, the history of of Ireland or or elsewhere. That's uh, yeah, and and travel as well. Obviously, uh, maybe maybe do that while uh, while traveling the world, learning about the history of various different places.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not sure it's as lucrative as the cybersecurity field, oh, so I'm not knows. sure if you would be able to
0: afford traveling so much. It's uh, you haven't heard of all the uh, you haven't heard of all the big history firms. No, <laughs> VCs are massively interested in these these days. It's uh, yeah, I'm
1: sure all the I mean, age. If, if you could travel back to time, I'm sure they would be interested. But, uh, there I guess. Well, yeah. anyway, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me today. Thomas, I can see that you're driven, you're passionate about what you're doing. You certainly have an interesting story, you know, uh, like how your, uh, you know, various positions in the cybersecurity field led you to uh, founding, founding your own company. Um, and what's the best way to reach out to you i mean if any of our listeners want yep. is interested either in you know having a conversation with you or can, um, you know wanted to to learn more about times what's the best way
0: absolutely so for uh, times just times.com t i n e s.com we've got a free trial not a free trial a free community edition you can automate three stories three workflows for free completely so definitely go check it out uh, if you want to reach out to me i'm on twitter thomas k sec so just my name thomas k s e c uh mm-hmm. and i'm on uh linkedin thomas Um and yeah i would love to love to have conversations i've had a lot of really smart people and a lot of really passionate people that have uh been in touch with me um throughout the years i'd love to learn from more people and meet some more people Um i'm also obviously you know involved in and go to plenty of conferences so if you want a coffee at rsa or something like that hit me up i'd love to uh, i'd love to meet up
1: yeah will you actually be attending RSA say one month
0: yeah absolutely yeah definitely um okay. So I'll go connect with you offline. We'll be there as well. Please, yeah, it'd be great.
1: Okay, great, great. Again, thank you so much. And if we don't, if we don't have any other, uh, you know, summarizing notes, we can wrap this episode up. Okay. Thank you, thank you so much. Have a good. Day.